This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, your Statsman, and you can follow me at Statsman22. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes. 24. I'll spell your name out for the people that are having, have had issues perhaps, AJ. It's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24. I did the Z for you there on that one. I would call, <laughs> I would call it Z. We are coming at you today with our first, with our second NHL regular season pod, uh, podcast show. And uh, AJ, I want to share a note off the top of this week's show to advise listeners that we will be having guests in the coming weeks. Uh, as you know, uh, it's book launch season here and in the hockey world, and we are looking forward to a number of quality works that are coming out from authors who, in fact, a number of them are a number of them are friends of mine. AJ, and I'm going to be pleased to introduce them to you on on our pro- program. Some of these authors will be joining us to advertise their volumes and get involved in our FanDuel lineup segment, and that's how we're going to introduce them going forward. But some neat, uh, neat uh, volumes out there, including Gretzky's effort for 50 goals in 39 games. There's another book about a lawyer's collection of original hockey contracts that we're going to look at, and uh, a third book about uh, one of the Leafs and Detroit Red Wings all-time greats, and that's Red Kelly. This guy had a neat story, AJ, in, in that he was a member of Parliament here in Canada while he was playing with the Maple Leafs, so he was back and forth between Toronto and Ottawa on quite the shuttle in the 60s. So some neat stories to talk about on, uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Should be, uh, should be good to introduce uh, both our listeners and myself to, to some of these uh, Tremendous authors you got up there. I do also want to remind our listeners uh, that throughout the week, 
Uh, if you have any questions about your lineups, about fantasy hockey, or really just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at either of us, and uh, we'll try and uh, answer your questions during our next podcast. Well, and even I'm getting a few of these during the week, too, AJ. It seems that our listeners are anxious for news uh, in the hockey world, and so I'm trying my best to give back some answers, but certainly want to save some questions for our show and uh, maybe give uh, give some uh, airtime to some of our guests in terms our listeners in terms of some of their contact information as well because uh, there's some good stuff coming out from from the people people that listen to the show so uh, let's get into our weekly look around the league AJ where we will again try to do a, a bit of an NHL wide sweep of key roster news uh, from around the loop and we'll begin in Anaheim you uh, were the, one of the first to report that Hampus Lindholm finally signs a new six-year deal at a $31 million total cap commitment uh, over that, that, that term. That's a little over $5 million a season with the Ducks, but uh, there's another stuff that has to be worked out there, isn't there? Yeah, he's uh, got some visa issues he's got to work out, and honestly, he's probably a little, uh, little rusty as well. Uh, so I just, you know, heads up to some of our listeners. You may want to jump on Lindholm. And if you have the roster spot, not a terrible idea, um, but he's probably at least a week away, maybe more um, just while they work out uh, that visa as well as the, you know, the kind of getting up to game speed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have a great group of rookies that have made super de- debuts this season but in Arizona Dylan Strom has been shuttled between a second line and a fourth line role uh, this is a key week for him I think because the, the NHL rookies are, are hoping to get past the 10 game mark which will effectively almost uh, commit teams to keeping them for most of the rest of the season though they do have a chance to send them back before they play 40 games in the NHL the fact of the matter of the 10 game mark though is that it starts to burn that first year of ent- the entry level contract so decision time around the league yeah and they they sent down uh, Dvorak uh, for now uh, he's got just three games in so you know I think the the thing with Strom is they're going to let him work it out while Dvorak's in the AHL and then make a decision, I think, like you said, before that 10-game mark. And they'll either send him back down to juniors and, and call Dvorak back up, or they'll stick with Strom long-term, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, I'm going to lean on uh, Strom sticking with the team. They they uh, they had this guy around the club last year, too. Dvorak, this was his first go-around in camp and so on. So I'm thinking that he's a year behind, although he might be. I think he's actually older than Strom in terms of uh, his actual uh, date of birth, but Strom has been uh, in and around the team for a train, two training camps now. Uh, yeah, put that down for one of your uh, your loony bets. Uh, mark it down <laughs> for us because I'm going to go the other way on this. I think Str- uh, Strom will get a couple more games here, and then I think they'll send him back down to juniors, and you'll see Dvorak back up in the lineup. All right, you know it's a dollar thirty to you. Eh? I, I don't want you to be throwing <laughs> money around carelessly here. But uh, let's continue with our look around the league. Tuukka Rask was sidelined recently in the Boston Nets. He's back in their lineup and starting. But, boy, they, they have to be disappointed in, in Beantown with the fact that two of their prospects flopped. Uh, Malcolm Subban, PK's younger brother, and uh, McIntyre, they both uh, failed miserably in, in their NHL debuts this season. It's a second time for Subban, too. I know that you are as concerned as I about the possibility of him maybe feeling it between the ears more than anything else, AJ, with two failures now in successive seasons. Yeah, if I were him, I'd be real concerned, especially the fact they sent him back down rather than uh, McIntyre. So they kept Zane as as the backup until Q Dobin can come back. So 
after two uh, two games, both times allowing three goals uh, to find the back of the net and having to get pulled in both of those games, it could mean the end of the road for Subban in Boston. Yeah, and uh, talk about the end of the road. There's a, there's a little bit of trouble in Bo- in Buffalo. Uh, I mean, I, I got a note here about Matt Molson ju- going from the fourth line to the first line. That's good news for Molson. Uh, but I want to talk about Evander Kane a little bit here, AJ. His off-ice troubles have delayed his Buffalo debut this season. I'm, I'm really concerned that this is a, a potential high-end guy, and, and he's really struggled uh, to get his act together off the ice, and that's impacting the on-ice persona because this is a 30-goal guy. Yeah, they, it just came out uh, yesterday. They're, they're going to kind of waive those legal troubles as long as you know he keeps his nose clean for the next six months. Um, you know, he does have that rib injury that's keeping him sidelined. So I don't know what to think about this guy. He's got tremendous talent. He's just letting his, you know, honestly, he's almost the Johnny Manziel of the NHL right now. That's a great Um, comparison. That's a great. Yeah. Just letting his talent completely waste away. Um, But yeah, like you said, Molson's a guy who's, who's not letting his talent waste away. Uh, All five of his points have come on the power play you know, kind of a fantasy sleeper out there. And until uh, Vander Kane's ready to come back, look for Molson to keep, uh, you know, kind of anchoring the, the Sabres there. And another guy whose profile has increased over what we projected early in the season is Dennis Weidman. He's risen uh, in the roster. He's got four points so far this year on a pair of goals and a pair of assists. And uh, uh, Dougie Hamilton is the guy who's fallen the other way. It seems like we've highlighted a, few, a couple of guys already whose fortunes are linked to one another. And in this case, Weidman is the guy with the uh, green arrow going up while Hamilton has the red one going down. Yeah, I don't actually think this is a bad move. Hamilton's got five points in the last four games, and he might just be a better fit uh, with uh, Joe Kapaki there on, on the bottom line. So maybe, you know, pressure off of him, doesn't have to eat up those those top line minutes, maybe, uh, you know, getting him around, you know, around the edge um, and getting him back on track. Well, one guy who's back on track and he's on a six game, seven game point streak so far this season is Victor Rask. He's he's taken that to that first line scoring opportunity in Carolina and has flourished with three goals and a whole whack of assists, six assists in his last uh, seven games. So he's on fire and he's filling that number one line role. We talked about this in the preseason and uh, in our preseason preview. And, and this is one where we both get the Canadian loony, I think. We both were on this one, so uh, kudos to us for that pick. We jump down to the Chicago. They've shuffled their top two lines, uh, but Panic seems to be the big winner. He, he's going to be still up there in a top six role, and uh, I'm kind of surprised that he's grabbed onto this and stuck with it because he played in Toronto and didn't really impress me while he was here. Maybe it was a fact that he wasn't playing with uh, front liners like, like Cave, uh, Kane and Taves. These guys probably would make you and I look pretty good on skates. <laughs> I think they would, to be honest with you. I could probably score a goal with those two guys out there. Um, but, yeah, I th- it's kind of interesting. You've seen this shuffling of lines with Chicago all season long. Um, and I think you're going to you should expect a little bit more of the same uh, as soon as Desjardins uh, is able to return. Uh, looks like maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday he'll be back. Uh, so, yeah, kind of a, a weird situation. I, you know, a lot of times you expect consistency with lines you try and pair the guys up with each other um, but a lot of shuffling going on in Chicago right now and in Colorado they're they're 
really giving Mikko Rantanen a shot here. He's not got a point yet this year in limited playing time. They're giving a shot as a second-line right winger. Uh, I think he better make it, take advantage of this because otherwise he could see himself in a fourth-line role pretty soon. This is a guy who broke into the league as a 19-year-old last year, AJ, and he was similarly bumped around on the roster, never really finding his, his groove. I'm, I'm kind of concerned, uh, although he's still a young guy, I'm kind of concerned that they really haven't found a niche for this guy in two training camps and uh, a regular season and now a second one under away. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it, only because, you know, with some off-season uh, injury issues or and during the preseason, this is really, you know, kind of the preseason for him. He's only had two games you know, hadn't played in the in the previous five. So give him some time, I think. Let him let him ease into it. And I, I'm expecting him to, to perform, you know, similar to what he did, um, you know, in the AHL last year. Uh, maybe, well, maybe not quite that good, but, you know, 20, 30 points. And I got uh, another note here on uh, Scott Hartnell. This guy, uh, I think this is a potentially volatile situation in Columbus. I'll get into it in a sec with you, AJ, for your response. He's got five points this year, but he was demoted from a scoring line situation to the fourth line. And there's a fellow named John Tortorella behind this bench. So this is two strong personalities. And I don't think it bodes well for this team to have uh, one of their on-ice leaders, a very vocal guy, uh, demoted to the fourth line. I haven't heard anything officially here, but I think where there's smoke, there might be a little bit of fire behind this situation. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of John Tortorella. Um, you know, I think he needs to go as far as Team USA goes. But I do think we should consider a few things. Um, the the Blue Jackets are sixth in the league in the penalty kill. They're second in the league in the power play. Ninth in goals allowed per game. So while the results aren't quite there, they're only three, three, and one. This is a team that's checking a lot of boxes to start, you know, putting some wins together. So, you know, I think it'd be hard pressed to to get rid of them at this time, but it could turn into something. I absolutely agree. And in Florida, there's a young defenseman who is paired with a a young phenom defenseman uh, in Aaron Ekblad. I want to highlight Michael Matheson. He's on a pairing with with Ekblad, and so far that's worked to the tune of two goals and two assists for him in his eight games played. So pretty good news there yeah i'm not totally sold on on matheson quite yet um he was a healthy scratch on on saturday but did get in on the game on sunday uh i'm i'm not buying shares of him quite yet i'd I'd hold off all right well we'll see how that turns out but it's interesting that again this is a guy who's approaching that 10 game mark you wonder if if uh, this is put up or shut up time for him uh an injury to to braden mcnab uh, in LA has opened up a spot for Tom Gilbert on the blue line there this is the potentially uh, a scoring bonanza in my mind because this guy's got some offensive skills if they keep him insulated with a good defensive partner on the, on that uh, blue line I could see this guy going off for some big time points he's got the big shot and as I say he's an offensively minded minded uh, defenseman uh, he's come from the depths of the roster and now he gets a top four shot I think on that blue line could be a good situation for Gilbert yeah as you mentioned the injury is definitely gonna um, thrust him in into the the lineup here uh, in fact in in the first game out uh, with McNabb out you saw Gilbert put up four more minutes uh, on on the ice in that game so yeah I definitely think there's going to be an opportunity here 
Whether or not he can capitalize, I think, remains to be seen, but he'll be given every opportunity to do so. And one guy who's being sprinkled into the Minnesota situation to continue our look at some younger guys is Joel Erickson-Eck. He's moving up into a second-line role with uh, Eric Stahl and Charlie Coyle. This this is two veteran guys that he's paired with. Kind of a nice situation for a young player. He's got five points in five games. I like what I've seen out of this guy so far. I think you're going to see some shuffling of lines here as well. You know, there's injuries to Dalp, uh, Hala, and Parisi. So I think once those guys get healthy, you might see uh, Erickson Eck move back down to third or fourth line. But, you know, a good chance for him to capitalize on those opportunities that he's being given right now with those guys out. And that's why we're doing this segment. It's who's hot right now, AJ, and and we want to have our listeners jump on these situations. You're quite right to point that injury uh, circumstance out on this roster. They've been uh, decimated just like the Dallas Stars have. Uh, we talked about them last week. In Montreal, Alex Radulov is surprising me. I got to say, this guy uh, has hit the ice running uh, with the Canadians and has earned a top-line top line situation with uh, Galchenyuk, his countryman, and uh, Gallagher, uh, a real pesky player. And while on another line, the Canadians have, have uh, reunited Max Pacioretty with David Dayarnay playing on a second unit with, with Andrew Shaw. And in another note, they dropped uh, Mikhail Sergachev, a, a teenager who was really looking okay in, on their blue line with limited minutes. And I thought he might stick because they, they're a little thin in terms of offensive talent on the blue line. But they've determined that, that it's best for him to go back to junior. And now Alexei Emelin is going to be paired with Shea Weber. Emelin is not an def- offensive threat. But uh, he's going to pick up points just by osmosis being with Shea Weber, who's as hot as a pistol. So give me your thoughts on all those bits of news in Montreal. Yeah, I like the move to send Sir Sir Jacob uh, back to juniors. I think it's a a good fit. You know, he is only 18. Let him go be a a top-line guy there um, and get a ton of minutes, be a leader on that team, develop a little bit further. And, yeah, Radulov has, as you said, kind of, uh, you know, flash uh, flash in the pan thus far uh, he's already reached the uh the same point total he had back in 2011-12 uh, with nashville uh so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what more he can do this season uh you know get a full nhl season under him for the first time since uh 07 yeah, and you mentioned Nashville. Uh, the other side of that Weber equation is P.K. Subban. He's got five points, but a minus seven so far. I'm not really thrilled for for Subban owners in leagues where they season-long leagues where a plus-minus is a factor. And Roman Yossi's sitting there with a minus six too. So on the defensive side of the puck, the two uh, offensive stalwarts have struggled. Although they each have five points, uh, they have split these guys up, and I wonder if that's a long-term thing or. Or, and they're better off, or, or it's just something to shake, that, shake things up a little bit in Nashville? I think it's a move they had to make. Uh, you know, when you have two guys struggling like that, it seemed like a match made in heaven when Subban came in, but it, it obviously isn't working out, especially defensively. Uh, it might be that they're just both too offensively minded, um, and it's creating some holes and some gaps that other teams are able to take advantage of. So split them up, see what happens if you can pair them up maybe with more of a defensive-minded player. I'm thinking something similar to what you have in uh, San Jose where you got Brent Burns, just an offensive stud paired up with Paul Martin, who's a, you know, a solid defender, not going to put up a ton of numbers. You know, Maybe if they can do something like that with both those guys, then you've got two you know, real solid offensive-defensive combos. 
Yeah, one guy who changed uh, places in the offseason is Taylor Hall uh, with that big trade for a defenseman going the other way to Edmonton. He has uh, hit, again, uh, hit it all on, on all cylinders with seven points in eight games so far, AJ, getting 19, almost 20 minutes a game in action, and a minus one is the only thing that's negative on his ledger, but that's a heck of a lot better than the plus minus that he sported in Edmonton over his time there. Uh, he's found a pretty nice home on the first line, and I'm also interested to note that P.A. Parento is on that unit as well. In, in between is Travis Sajak with a little bit of shuffling going on there. Uh, I highlighted Parento in our preseason previews because I saw this guy for a whole season in Toronto. He's a very good veteran guy, unsung uh, in terms of uh, accolades that he normally gets. He's got three goals, one assist so far, but I think he's a very good playmaker type uh, and is a good fit for that first line unit and I also want to highlight uh, Severson on the first defense pairing he's a guy who we saw play a lot Damon Severson in in the AHL last year and he's vaulted to the top of the scoring in terms of their defenseman scoring there with six points I saw the upside in him with with the way he ran the power play in Albany and uh, this doesn't come as a surprise to me yeah, the power play points are, are the key there for Severson. It makes him a real fantasy stud. Um, someone definitely, if, if he's on your waiver wire, you may want to pick, consider picking him up. Might not be a bad play in, in daily contests as well. Might be a little bit cheaper option for you. And then, yeah, we both were on this one last week, Paul, with getting Parento back on the top line after that brief stint, uh, I think, on the third line. Didn't make a lot of sense to either one of us, so glad to see they, they slid him back up. And yet another rookie has caught my eye in the on the island. This is a team that's been making me shake my head for a long, long time. But but they may have found a diamond in the rough in Anthony Beauvillier. He gets for, he's getting first line left wing minutes with John Tavares, and he's got five points to show for it so far. But uh, the other bit of news there that that is maybe getting more headlines is the three goalie three headed monster in that Yarrow Halak's name is in the news in terms of trade talk. They've been carrying. Uh, Barubi as the third goalie there and he hasn't been getting any game time I wonder how, how the practices work there with three goalies that's kind of got to be muddled too so I know Halak's agent has spoken up there's a couple of goalie situations around the league that are begging for help and I think there that there's a great opportunity here for the Islanders to sell high on on Halak uh, where do you stand on that and the Beauvillier situation yeah, I think Halak is the player to get rid of there. He's got the biggest cap hit at $4.5 million, which could make him a little bit harder to sell. Um, but so far, I think he's been outperformed by Thomas Grice. So, you know, it, it seems to me like they've got the better number one option there. Berube, a capable backup for them. Uh, you know, and I think I'd expect them to look for maybe a top six forward, somebody who can maybe replace uh, Andrew Ladd on the second line with how much he's been struggling. I think they're okay defensively, so I would expect them maybe to start looking for some forward depth. And uh, Tom Payat in Ottawa. This is a guy who is getting some, some playing time and scoring some points there too. So pretty excited about his profile, AJ, going forward as he gets a first right-wing spot with Kyle Turris and Mike Hoffman on the other side. Yeah, he's had some ups and downs a little bit uh, this season. You know, went through kind of a, a three-game point in the stretch, was a minus four over that. But he he's also capitalized on some of those opportunities. So I, I want to see a little bit more out of him before I'm totally sold and, and ready to start buying. But uh, definitely a player to watch. 
And then what about uh, in Pittsburgh? I got a question for you then. Why is Will, this Wilson guy on uh, Crosby's line ahead of Kunitz? Kunitz uh, has had a real good partnership with, with Crosby over the years, but now we see uh, Wilson getting minutes up there. Yeah, I think it's a product of what we saw last season with, uh, you know, Connor Sheary up on that top line. I think, Dan, uh, sorry, Co- Coach Mike Sullivan. I almost went back to the Dan Bilesman. <laughs> uh, Coach Sullivan, I think, saw the benefit of having a speedy guy on Crosby's line. Wilson offers a little bit more of that with Sheary out. And then, you know, Kunitz is kind of the same player as Patrick Hornquist. And, you know, they're both kind of net front agitators physical guys and i just don't think it'll work to have both of them on the same line with crosby so you know uh, hornquist has really earned that top line spot and you know wilson offers that speed as well and i think it's a good combination uh you know for them long term and a combination that has come from nowhere in philadelphia uh Couturier and Voracek are guys that we expected to see getting top six minutes. I talked about this Travis Konechny kid. He's got five points in five games, and he's, he's, he's making out like a bandit on that second line. Do you think he can stick? I think he can. I, I'm going to give you all the props on this one. I didn't see it coming. Again, maybe my Philadelphia Flyers blinders on there, but uh, <laughs> has definitely performed well. You know, it'll be interesting to see if he can maintain it through the whole, you know, the whole season. Um, but I'm, I'm surprised. I, I tip my hat to you on this one. Oh, well, one for me in the win column. What about Jonathan Drouin? We, ex- we saw him explode in the playoffs last year, coming out from the shadows and, and showing that he was worth all the trouble that he caused off the ice, I guess. Five points in nine games so far. I, I think they, uh, they have to be a little bit disappointed in Tampa. And as a result, they've dropped him to a third line role. But there's tons of skill here. I would advise people not to give up on this guy, AJ. Do you agree or disagree with that brief assessment? Absolutely agree with you on that one. It's too early to sell on Druin. Yeah, he doesn't have any points in the last three, three games, but he's a talented player. I think he's got all the skills there to get that top line spot back and uh, you know reach uh, that out, outpace, actually, that 32-point uh, mark uh, from his rookie campaign. And then in Toronto, I've got Connor and a guy got an eye on Connor Carrick on a third defense pairing, uh, first defense pairing, I should say, with Morgan Riley. A bit disappointed with the performance of Riley. I got to say, so far, I was expecting him to be one of the uh, the guys who makes the big jump among defensemen scorers. Struggled though to find his uh, his overall game. They're not using him on the power play yet, too, which is a deficiency. And I think this is an area where he and Carrick could form a really neat partnership. Both have a ton of offensive skills, and Carrick could be a long-term stash in terms of uh, your season-long rosters. I really expect this kid to show his offensive upside that he showed last year. He plays with a lot of confidence for a young guy, and if this, they keep this pairing together, it could be surprising the number of points they could put up once they get their offensive act together. I think it's just a matter of time here. Yeah, I think actually my, my big question for you, Paul, is uh, what's up with you know Austin Matthews uh, last three games, no points, a minus three. You know, is it is this team's figuring him out a little bit, or is it kind of just a, a little blip in the road for for the rookie? Oh, I think he's the real deal. There's so many things that I like about his game. Uh, I had the chance to see him live so far a couple of times, AJ, and and you can see that he's got a lot of special skills in his in his toolbox i'm not worried about a short-term uh, scoreless drought it's going to happen on a team that that i think is is going to be a little offensively challenged this is not 
this is all a function of the fact that there's a disarray on the blue line, I think, more than anything else. They're spending a little too much time in the defensive end, and, and we really see a lot of teams generating a lot of offense from the back end. That hasn't happened in Toronto over those three games. That's really been a struggle to get the puck out of the zone, and I think he's been more concerned with the defensive side of the puck and not getting the number of uh, quality chances that he was in the first cup, first week and a half of the season. Don't worry about this guy. He's going to challenge for the Calder Trophy, and I think he's still my odds-on favorite. I, I expect a big night for him tonight, actually. There's a real interesting matchup with him and Connor McDavid, the first of several head-to-head matches on the NHL stage, and, and maybe we can look forward to the NA- international stage with these guys both playing key roles in Canada as U.S. Uh, rivalry going forward. So, yeah, don't exp- don't worry about Austin Matthews. If you're worried about three-game scoreless blip with the NHL's top draft pick, he's not going anywhere. He's going to play first-line <laughs> minutes here. Perfect. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> definitely some, you know, you, you see these little blips and, and you start to wonder. So glad to hear it from the, the inside man in Toronto. There. there we go. And to finish this up, we got uh, two notes. Janik Hansen gets uh, another turn with the Sedin twins. But uh, Troy Stetcher uh, is an inter- interesting name that's come out of nowhere on the blue line, pairing with Alex Edler. I remind people that I highlighted Edler in our preseason preview of Vancouver as a top offensively skilled uh, defenseman on out there and as long as anybody's playing with him they're going to get some minutes uh, in good situations so keep an eye on Troy Stetcher and of course Yannick Hansen on the Vancouver uh, line with the Sedins uh, one note the note that I want you to comment on the the Ovechkin train has got a new engineer and that's uh, Nicholas Backstrom a new old engineer these guys are back together again on that front line and uh, Kuznetsov goes back to uh, pairing with Burakovsky where he had success last year I think this is a good move for both situations just because of the familiarity that Backstrom and Ovechkin have had over the years. This is like Brett Hull and and Adam Oates going back a decade or two in the NHL annals. Uh, A a real good puck uh, mover and a super sniper paired together. I think Kuznetsov has more of a a puck control game where he wants to be the finisher as well as the guy that distributes. So uh, I think this is a good move. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. Uh, you know, the, these top guys, they all have, you know, kind of their guy that they have to have on their line. You know, Backstrom, I think, is is that guy for Ovechkin. You saw this with Chris Kunitz for a long time with Crosby. I mean, Kunitz got onto the, the 2010 um, uh, Canadian team simply because they wanted him paired up with Crosby. Uh, and so I think it's the same here. Ovi wanted his his guy back and now he's got him I I expect big things out of Washington moving forward well and now let's swing over to injury news we talked a little bit about the Kudobin situation as the backup in Boston and uh, the effect of Subban and McIntyre so we'll skip that one Alex Hemsky in Dallas has undergone hip surgery it's come at a bad time for him because this is a chance this was a chance where the Dallas forwards were dropping like flies we highlighted that some of the teammates are getting healthy here I just wonder about Alex Hemsky's owners i think if i were them i would drop this guy completely out of that circumstance yeah i think you have to i mean they're talking about several months to get back um you know lingering injury from the world cup uh you know an unfortunate it was a a highlight i thought of the of the you know good way to kick off the year but um unfortunately these injuries are going to come up if you're looking for somebody on dallas to maybe pick up 
you know, I think Yuri Hoodler could uh, fill in very well in that that role. If he's taken, I actually think Brett Ritchie could fill in as well. So if you're looking for a guy in Dallas, either one of those guys could work as a substitute for Hemsky. Well, and one guy who I was down on in the Detroit circumstance was Thomas Vanek. He was starting to show me up uh, with a strong performance offensively, but now he's got a groin injury and he's downgraded from day to day instead. Now he's week to week after going additional tests. And, and I think this is one where I, my loony is going to come out on top. Uh, I, I didn't like this signing. And in the end, I think Detroit's going to rue the day that they brought this guy in. He's just been more trouble than he's worth in a number of different stops around the league. Yeah, I I think he had turned it to ra- around a little bit, to be honest. He was performing well there. Um, as I mentioned previously, like he, he didn't have the pressure to, to be the top guy. But I do think this injury is a huge setback for them. You know, you'll see Abdelkader kind of take over the, the minutes there. But I think, again, I highlighted it last week. The biggest concern out of this is going to be Steve Ott back in the lineup. He just got a huge fine, uh, actually a maximum fine by the league. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, not necessarily the best guy you want uh, filling up minutes on your fourth line. We, we also touched on the L.A. situation on defense with McNabb. He's on the IR. Uh, Teddy Purcell uh, is day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. I don't think the Kings would like to see this guy sideline too much. He's another one of those playmaking wingers that's under under. Uh, valued, I think, uh, in the Los Angeles circumstance. Let's jump to Zach Parise, though. I know this is another big bit of news. He's week to week with a foot injury. When they say week to week, that's not good news for owners of a guy in a season long, but this is a veteran player projected to be their leading scorer. What do you do with a guy like this? Yeah, that's really tough when they when they say that week to week. You're, you know, you, you have to imagine it's not months just because, <laughs> you know, they didn't say three to six months. Um, so, you know, maybe stash him for another week, see if some news comes out. If you're, if your team's really starting to hurt though, I I think you have to let him go and hope you can pick him up later. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're top of your league, have the extra spot, maybe hold on to him to another week, maybe to see if more information comes out. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, a guy at the top end like that, uh, I, I'm going to stash him regardless. I, I, I can't af- can't, couldn't afford to see a, a guy who's potentially a point-of-game guy leave my roster. But, uh, you know, you have to weigh your uh, situation. As you said, if you're on the top end and can afford to, good call. Uh, and and the Ottawa situation, I'll have something more to say about their goaltending mix. But Andrew Hammond uh, has muddied the waters there with another lower body, body injury and... Uh, well, I want to talk about Craig Anderson at the end of the show. So what do you think about the goaltending situation in Ottawa, Ottawa right now? I think they'll be fine. I mean, they were going to lean on Anderson heavily, I think, for much of the year. I think the question that they have to answer is who's going to be the backup. They've got, uh, you know, both Chris uh, Dridger as well as Matt O'Connor um, up right now. So they'll let those guys maybe battle, out, battle it out in practice, maybe the occasional uh, game and try and figure out which one they want to use as the backup. And uh, in Toronto, my Maple Leafs uh, were hit with an injury that they really can't afford on the blue line. That's with Matt Hunwick going down with a lower body hurt. He's on the IR. This was a veteran defenseman who really was uh, an unsung hero last season in a dreadful campaign. He was the one guy that stabilized the defense pairing. He can play in the defensive zone, AJ. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but... And, and he adds so much on the, on the special teams and the power play, too. Uh, so they're really going to miss this guy. But it affords a guy like a Jake Gardner offensively to get more ice time. And this kid needs to find his game. Uh, I'm not a big 
Jake Gardner fan, I gotta say. He's got so much in the toolbox, and he it just doesn't reach the top floor. I think this guy's uh, a potentially a 40-point guy, but really not showing up very well right now. The defense in Toronto is a bit of a muddled story, as I implied. Where, what do you see here from a distance? Yeah, seeing the same things as you. You know, you highlighted Morgan Riley and Connor Carrick. I think the pressure is going to be on them even more. And I would look to a guy like Nikita Zaitsev, who who you highlighted uh, in our preseason shows, to maybe step up. It's a good chance for him to capitalize on this opportunity. He's not going to be looking over his shoulder, I don't think, as far as being a healthy scratch on a regular basis now. So a, a good opportunity for him. Hopefully he can capitalize. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Zaitsev. I've, I've watched this guy closely. I've been thoroughly impressed. He's, he's getting the top minutes of any defenseman on this team already. So a good sign. This is not, he, although he's, it's his rookie season, this is not a 19-year-old kid. He's about 24, 25. Uh, seasoned in the KHL and and uh, the Leafs are already getting great value for the small m- amount of money that they paid on him. He's an RFA at the end of the season, and uh, I don't see any any way that they're going to let this guy go. He he has played himself right into the mix already, and uh, his future is bright, I think, in the NHL. But we've talked a little bit about the uh, NHL, but our friends at FanDuel, AJ, they want us to talk a little bit of football as well because uh, fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans is back. New contests starting every day. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. Choices for every budget. You know, AJ, I can't wait to get on with uh, James Seltzer. He's a Philadelphia fan. My Cowboys beat him and his team this week. It's going to be a rivalry show that you won't want to miss on our on our Wednesday and Thursday football podcast. I'm going to take this guy to the woodshed this week. But uh, <laughs> I I also had a great week in fantasy play this week. I have I, I've been good or lucky in finding players who are well positioned to excel, mostly because of unique circumstances or the quality of opponent. That's really driving my picks in a lot of circumstances. This week, for instance, AJ, I paid up to get Aaron Rodgers and Ezekiel Elliott while getting good value from my defense and kicker picks and wound up in the winner's circle in our Rotowire Vegas League and on FanDuel. Uh, it earning me, earned me 48,000 FanDuel points in our in our staff uh, weekly uh, deal too. So uh, the key for me was finding other good value plays that were cheap compliments. How did it work out for you, bud? Yeah, I was actually just eight points uh, behind you in the staff contest. Uh, came in in seventh place. And that's despite a zero from Ty Montgomery, who I was locked into thanks to the London game in the early start. Didn't get a chance to take him out. And uh, speaking of our friends across the Atlantic, another week, another tie game in the (laughs) NFL. I can't believe we keep letting this happen. Fortunately for the the NFL, fans in London are used to draws, uh, so they won't have been too disappointed, but it's certainly not a high point of bringing American football to England. Are you thinking this was a match-fixing deal with uh, maybe a a soccer ref involved, AJ? Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) A little controversy stirred by my partner here. I'll just say this. The comments are solely his, and he's responsible for any fallout. Okay, I don't want any legal issues. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't jump quite that far, but they need to do something about these tie games. 
um, especially in situations like this. They've got the game in Mexico City coming up. I can only imagine the, the blowback if that one ends in a tie as well. Although, again, here's another market that's used to draws as, as big soccer fans there. So maybe they don't mind as much as we do. But got to get rid of these ties. I don't want to ever hear an NFL score come back as nil-nil. That's all I'm going to say to that. <laughs> um, uh, we, we have highlighted our experiences, and we invite people to play in the Rotowire championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship have all that fantasy football has to offer fanduel be sports rich folks there's a special offer right now for new users get a free six-month rotowire subscription with a ten dollar deposit on fanduel go to fanduel.com slash rw not only will you get free subscriptions but you'll have that ten dollars available to play with on fanduel that's over forty dollars in value for just ten bucks go to fanduel.com slash rw all right, as we do in this segment, AJ, we build our teams and make our cases. Who do you got at center for tonight's games? 12 games late. All right, so on the back of your recommendation, you told me nothing was wrong with Austin Matthews. So I'm going to pay up big at the center position this week. Um, I'm going to go Austin Matthews for 6,200, Connor McDavid for 8,300. I think these two are going to shine matched up against each other. You know, you've seen this out of Crosby and Ovechkin in the past. And I think the two going head-to-head, I think they're both going to be motivated to score. Um, So I'm shelling out big for both. Uh, What are you doing down the middle, Paul? Well, I'm going to capitalize on this lineup switch, and this is why it's important that we highlighted this. And Nicholas Backstrom, for only $6,400, he's dishing to the great eight in Washington. I love that uh, value play. And then I'm going to pair that up with Anze Kopitar, another undervalued superstar, in my opinion, at $7,000, L.A.'s top gun. Uh, down the middle of the ice we'll get all the special teams minutes so i like both those picks big time uh your four wingers buddy so we talked a little bit about the uh, the islanders goaltending situation i think it's still a little unsettled um so i'm gonna stack against them i'm gonna go with kucherov at 6700 and druin at 5600 uh like i said before i think druin still got it i'm, I'm not worried about him quite yet uh, from there i'm gonna go with patrick marlowe 4,800 again, another pairing situation uh, with the goaltending in, in Arizona being a little weaker. And then finally, I'm going to go uh, uh, Gagliano at 3,900. Um, LA, again, I, I keep highlighting this, but again, LA has got a rough uh, goaltending situation. And an interesting note here I just saw um, looking up the stats for, for Gagliano hasn't missed a game in his NHL career. Uh, if you look at his stats, he's played 82 games every year. Not a big deal for FanDuel uh, contest, but just something to consider uh, looking forward in, in some of those season-long fixtures. An interesting stat, I noticed. He's a fellow countryman from the boot. Uh, I'll, I'll give him props as a fellow Italian, and we're tough. We can, we can come out every day. You won't see me miss too many of these shows either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with another guy in Los Angeles, Tyler Toffoli. I, I like uh, him at 5600 bucks, and he'll be part of that special team situation. This is one of those games that's a, not only a it's a crosstown rivalry but it's very close these guys must may even uh, play across the street from one another some someday the anaheim and los angeles it's it's a neat matchup uh, a great rivalry out west and i look for Tafoli to be a big factor for this team on the season and in this rivalry game the the big players tend to step up so i kind of like the home side in this one with kopitar and Tafoli there uh, in new york matt zuccarello is a little man who proves that there's lots of room for him in uh, in the speed game and uh, around the big guys in the nhl he's six thousand dollars 
Uh, Hoffman in Ottawa is $5,500. He's playing first-line minutes. I love this guy's shot, and he's playing with a playmaking center in the nation's capital in Canada. And uh, while I like the head-to-head match of uh, McDavid and and, uh, Matthews tonight, I'm going to go with Matthews winger Willie Nylander. This guy's been flying out of the gate and really undervalued at $5,300. He's uh, one of the top rookie scorers in the league and full value. He's got a marvelous shot, a great offensive instincts. And uh, I think in a wide-open game, you can see you're going to see the, there's more than two rookies on the ice that are notable. You're I love def- that pick, Paul. That's a great. That's a great pick. Well, let, let's talk about it tomorrow and see if it turns up, AJ. <laughs> I like the way it sounds right now, though. On your blue line. Uh, yeah, for the blue line, I'm going to start out with uh, Ryan Sutter at, at 5,800. Uh, he's averaging over a point a game, including some some points on the power play as well. And then I'm going to go Johnny Boychek at, at 5,000. Uh, I, th- I think he's, again, he's, you know, not necessarily a top end guy. You can get him for a little bit cheaper, but I think he's capable of still producing some some solid numbers from the second pairing there. Uh, what do you got on the blue line, Paul? Um, I've got uh, Tory Krug and John, Johan, John Klingberg for $5,300 and $4,900 a piece. Uh, these guys are both power play quarterbacks, and I this is where I find the value on today's board, AJ. When you can find a power play quarterback on the blue line who, who is getting first line minutes as well on defense for around the $5,000 mark, you got to jump on them, avoid the top guys that are maybe up to $1,000 more expensive, give yourself the flexibility up front. Uh, that's a key. Uh, that's a key way that I go at week to week in this in this pool. Yeah, I, I like that definitely. Um, it, you know, you look at my guys; they're both uh, you know kind of lower value as well. Um, in net, I'm gonna you're gonna highlight him a little bit later, but I'm gonna go with uh, Craig Anderson. Back to back shutouts, a little bit pricier at 8600, but you know I like the matchup against Carolina as well. Uh, so I think he's poised to have another big night. And uh, I'm going to counter with Devin Dubnik. Uh, I, I like the way this guy plays, has played ever since he went, went over to Minnesota. In fact, I've been a fan of his even back to the days in Edmonton. I'm not really sure why, why they gave up on him. And uh, I, I think for $9,000, I am paying up. But his, his team has been a really a bear at home on home ice. This is one team that really enjoys the home ice advantage. And I think Dubnik takes advantage of that tonight. Which uh, these all these notes they bring us to our uh, my favorite part of the show where we talk about the stud of the week and you were hot and bothered about uh, getting in on this one so I'm going to give the floor to you up front. Yeah, this may seem like some Pittsburgh bias here. Um, hey, but it's there every week, man. But that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. It's good to be a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fans first, absolutely. Um, but how can the stud of the week not be Sidney Crosby? Uh, since returning to action, number 87 has four goals which is tied for the most over that, over the last week. Uh, in addition, the Penguins are undefeated in that time frame, have put 12 goals in uh, in those three games. And I think Sid's return has also freed up some of his teammates as well. Phil Kessel leads the league over the last week with six points, and Malkin has racked up five as well. You know, Paul, what are, what are your thoughts on Sid the Kid over this last week? Well, you know, I'm right there with you. He's a healthy superstar whom I was worried about, to be quite honest, at the start of the season. Let's not forget that he won the Stanley Cup and the World Cup oh, with only a short summer break in between. He was the undisputed leader of both squads. And I'll say it for my partner, the admitted Penn's fanatic, that Sid the Kid is far and away the best player in the game today, and he has been for years. I don't think he gets enough credit for the high level of commitment and consistency as well as his modesty. 
he is my kind of superstar, believe me, AJ. Uh, we also, though, have to give a nod to Craig Anderson, the Sens goalie who's remained, rejoined his teammates at the request of his wife, who has recently gone public with a cancer diagnosis. And in uh, Anderson's first game back, what does he go and do? This is right out of Hollywood. He gets a shutout. Uh, the, the, even the visiting, he, he was on the road. Even the, the hometown fans gave him a standing ovation when he was called out for the three stars. It's an amazing story, and uh, we certainly offer the Andersons our full support and best wishes for the best possible outcome going forward yeah definitely agree there you know it's in this day and age everybody uh you know everybody knows somebody who's been affected by a cancer diagnosis so it's definitely tough but to see him go out there and perform uh definitely brings a brings a tear to the eye if not uh, a couple that's right and uh, we offset though with that with uh, the rant of the week and uh, i gotta point out this one didn't draw much attention but i happen to be watching the game between the islanders and the leafs on the weekend and andrew ladd who's a guy who who ne- should never wind up being a part of the rant I, is a solid citizen in the nhl for years but i caught him and the cameras caught him with a spearing motion that was not called in the game against the leafs in a scrum around the leaf goal and uh, I, I i think there was no evidence that an opponent speared him first so that that has no business in the game in any case i expect more composure from a normally honest player like lad the greater message is that this nonsense should be dealt with harshly by the league even if the penalty was not called the league has to take a look at stuff like this yeah and they actually just i mentioned it a little bit earlier but over the weekend they find steve at the maximum allowed under the cba for a spear on zidane ochara uh, so it looks like the league might go a, a fine route instead of a suspension, uh, you know, especially as they're trying to do some, you know, increased consistency with their calls. And also, Paul, I'm going to follow up with a mini rant here. I uh, just saw that NBC Sportsnet here in the U.S. is showing the Lightning Islanders game tonight rather than McDavid Ma- against Matthews. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous in my book. Clearly a pro-U.S. team bias here overruling a matchup of the of two next generational talents and i think it's just a a poor decision by the by the you know powers that be over there at nbc yeah i think sometimes they have to look past the the markets that represent the the team names on the docket and look at the storyline i i I agree with you completely. This is this is the future of the le- the league on display. The first matchup between these two guys, a big miss by the NHL uh, U.S. coverage, and uh, lucky for me, I get to see it live and in color. So I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, yeah, it makes my uh, my purchase of the uh, the NHL Game Center live that much sweeter. Maybe that's the point. Maybe the NHL wants to drive people to purchase that package so they're not stuck watching duds of a game. (laughs) That's a great call, AJ. And a a fine way for for us to go out uh, on this week's show. I'll just remind our listeners to send their comments and questions on Twitter. You can follow AJ at AJ Scholes. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z 24. And you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman 22. We ask you to look out for PuckCast Hockey's podcast from Rotowire every week so that you can get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. 
He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.